0: do you want me to play the intro music
1: yeah. oh yeah yeah play the intro music okay Just warm me up here <laughs> okay here we go Welcome to Double Cousins, where two people who share 25% of their DNA and their entire extended families talk about life.
0: Double Cousins. It's like if Maya and Alex Shibutani married (laughs) Phineas O'Connell and Billie Eilish and had kids.
1: (laughs) I don't know who the first duo is. The Sibs.
0: So they are the... uh, Japanese American siblings who are a skating duo. Oh, of course. Of course, the Shibs. <laughs> ah, yes, 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 the Shibutani's.
1: I didn't watch any Olympics. So. I didn't really
0: either. They didn't yeah. they didn't compete this this year anyways, so. Mm. But
1: yeah, it's a, in the the skating duos, it's always weird because you're like, are they a couple? Are they brother and sister? Siblings are dating.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or like that Canadian pair that they were not together but their like physical chemistry on the ice everybody's like they gotta be shaking up (laughs) i mean we gotta be doing something like what a waste if not
1: they should have to disclose their relationship status
0: like with hr like the olympics hr (laughs) and
1: And then they put it on screen
0: oh yes definitely and it's like complicated Mm -hmm. (laughs) sister and lover no i'm just kidding (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's a lifetime movie <laughs> yes um but yeah it was uh, i tried to pick siblings i tried to find asian and asian american siblings mm. for this week and maybe this says more about my lack of understanding of asian celebrities or maybe it says more about our society not having enough asian celebrities where i could actually pick from people to say oh yes these powerhouse Asian-American siblings and these other ones, <laughs> but it's, uh, the Shibutani's are the only results that came up. And so I had to pair them with some people like mm-hmm. Phineas and Billy Eilish. It works out. Yeah.
1: Well, why did you pick a Asian-American duo? I was... Roll us into the intro. I was, was
0: seeking Asians for this <laughs> week's example, because this week's episode is going to be about how we have sought out relationships with other Asians and with our Asian culture.
1: Oh, before we get into things, I want to give a Patreon shout out. Surprise, Emily, we
0: have our first Ooh, Patreon supporter. Somebody's actually <laughs> paying us money now? Whoa. Yes. All right.
1: So thank you, Michael.
0: Oh, Michael. <laughs> thank you.
1: <laughs> thank you for your donation and your support of your sister and cousin in this podcast. Just a reminder, if you would like to also support us, visit our Patreon page. Um, Well, there's a link somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) There's a link in our Instagram bio. Um, But, yeah, there's a bunch of cool perks, fun stuff there, and so thank you for our inaugural supporter, Michael! Woo woo! (laughs) Thank
0: you, Michael! Okay. And he'll play that nice, too, every time we get a Patreon. (laughs) We found a use for the gong noise, finally. Perfect. Okay. Yes. So to reintroduce this episode, let's say that this week's discussion is going to be about our different experiences and interest levels in seeking out our Asian culture growing up and now. So with that, Kalia, uh, to kick us off, how would you describe your exposure to Asian culture as a kid?
1: Yeah, let's just kind of go chronologically. So... We are both Asian American, um, Chinese Americans specifically, and I feel like my exposure to Asian culture and Chinese culture as a child was predominantly through family and family environment. Um, And with that, um, you know, the, the food that we all enjoy together. Things that we did together, like I remember going to the Chinese grocery store all the time with my parents and my grandparents, and then holiday celebrations. We would celebrate Chinese New Year and Moon Day together. So it was predominantly through family for me and kind of things that we carried on, how we um, spoke about and kind of, I guess, reflected on our family together, and then also environment too. I want to talk about it a little later um, when we talk about influences, but our grandma was an artist and she made a lot of great pieces depicting our family's story, Chinese style painting. So that was a big presence as well. So yeah, environmental family exposure. Growing up in Phoenix, there we weren't around Asian people or Chinese people very much, unless it was in like a Chinese restaurant. But yeah, I mean, since we are double cousins, I, I would imagine your experience was pretty similar. But do you have anything to add on to that or anything that was different for you, Emily?
0: Yeah, I think there was probably um, in both of our social circles, just because, you know, we grew up pretty close to each other proximity-wise. And so our, our school districts and the demographics of our neighborhoods that we grew up in were pretty similar. And so I think that like similar to you, my, my main exposure to Asian culture, Asian people was definitely within our family um, because the people who we went to school with were predominantly white uh, or Mexican or Mexican-American and very, very few other Asians, you know, I think like can count on even half a hand, <laughs> the number of other Asian-Americans who I went to school with, like mm-hmm. through high school essentially. And so I had some really good friends growing up who were either mixed Asian or Asian-American, but predominantly, though, I was really the only one in my my friend group who was a person of color. Um, And so so, yeah, so I think having to seek it out more because it wasn't so just naturally prevalent in where we grew up.
1: Yeah, I can definitely relate to that. I think I was one of yeah half a handful of Asian kids in my school. Um, and so it wasn't part of the natural environment. Um, but I think unlike you, I, I never really sought it out as mm-hmm. a child or in, as a school-age kid. Um, what was kind of the driver for you to do that?
0: You know, maybe maybe it is because I grew up next door to grandma. And mm-hmm. her artwork was very much about, you know, our family's history and the immigrant experience and Chinese culture, too. So I had an early exposure to that. And so I think maybe I was just already more interested in it um, from that lens anyways. And, and then I think also my father uh, would also write a lot of poetry around, you know, our, again, our family history, mm-hmm. the immigrant experience, uh, growing up Asian-American And, and so I think that definitely piqued my interest in learning more about Chinese culture, but then also Chinese American culture too. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I think that, you know, because our family is so American or have been in this country for so many generations too, it's, it was, uh, it was a way of, of also sort of understanding like, okay, well, what, what is that part of our family like that? Like, you know, we've never even seen or what was Mm -hmm. their experience like in China, Uh, And so just trying to understand a little bit more about like where we came from, even even though it had been like, you know, five generations since then.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm very grateful to have, you know, grandma and those influences. I think both sides of the family, actually grandma through her art and then the other side of the family through just writing and documenting things. Mm -hmm. Um, Both sides have been really great at really just detailing the story of, you know, how both sides came to be and kind of where everybody is present day and you know on one side we would have a lot of family reunions and with like what was that like 50 60 people oh, was huge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah extended cousins and aunts and uncles and then you know the other we would see each other pretty often but yeah I, I feel very grateful that um that was a priority and um is still a priority on on both sides of the family. It, it makes it a little bit easier to be in touch with that.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think maybe from the like from the historical perspective of it too. Like the people on both sides of our family, like you said, they have a strong appreciation uh, and awareness of the need to document our family's history. Mm-hmm. And so I think you know understanding your family's history, but then understanding how that played out in what was going on in like history of America is also mm-hmm. really interesting too. Uh, and so I think that's also what um, what was what influenced me to want to learn more when I got into like college, for instance, you know, I, I mm-hmm. um, and then also through some other like summer programming and educational programs that I took too.
1: Mm-hmm. socially. I mean, like seeking out Asian friends because, you know, our natural high school environments didn't have them what was the driver for you there? Like, did you just want to be around more people who kind of had the same experience or um, anything I, I that think, you could describe there?
0: I think maybe, there? I think at that age, I wasn't aware of, mm. you know, it was just kind of like, this person's in my social circle, you know, it's not like a huge student population to begin with anyways. And so you sort of Mm -hmm. know everybody. Um, And then we played sports (laughs) together. Mm -hmm. And, And so I think it was more a connection of that. It wasn't so much an overt awareness of like, oh, this person is Asian. And so they probably have something in common with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think it was more like we connected over things that I didn't connect with my non-Asian friends, mm-hmm. not really understanding that, oh, this is kind of a unique thing to being Asian or Asian American. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think gotcha. it was kind of like an additional like, layer of the friendship that I didn't really realize was not present in my other friendships.
1: Mm. Yeah. That's nice to, yeah. have, to have, especially at that age.
0: Yeah. And so I guess like, you know, for for you growing up um, and not, I guess, really seeking out as much or or just having naturally present, you know, the the uh, opportunities to meet people who are other Asians, <laughs> other Asian mm-hmm. kids, you know, was was there any sense growing up that like you wanted to do that? Or was it just like you were not aware that this is maybe an aspect of yourself that you wanted to, wanted to understand more? I
1: never had a feeling of I want more Asian friends or friends who are like me culturally or ethnically. Um, I do remember not really liking being different from other kids. Um, I mean, kids at a certain age, they just, they'll point out the way you look or just, you know, kind of what's other about you. So I definitely Mm -hmm. remember experiencing that in elementary school and even middle school and high school, and um, I think there was a big part of me that, uh, I mean, I was uncomfortable with that, so I just wanted to fit in, so I didn't really lean into the Asian-American or Chinese side of myself. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe that had something to do with, you know, not seeking out Asian friends um, outside of school, um, but yeah, that's that's a hard thing to go through as a child and I don't feel like I think it's hard for other people to understand if they're not on the receiving end of that because it sounds like you know it could come from a place of caring but really in that situation it's not it's not curiosity it's not compassion but just something mm-hmm. that kids can call out for fun so I think that really affected me as a child um, you know and I just remember not wanting to to feel different so. Um, yeah, that may have had something to do with you know, not seeking out a social group um, yeah. within the Asian community.
0: Can you speak to some of the times that I guess you experienced that from other kids?
1: Mm. I remember very clearly, like when I was probably early elementary school. You know, kids um, pulling back their eyes and looking at mm. me, which is mm-hmm. just nasty and really odd an Mm -hmm. odd thing to experience when you're like in first or second grade or you know sing little songs and kind of run by you and laugh and so things that are like you know it's little kids it's like stupid and playful and like seemingly harmless but when you're that young I think it really um really has an effect and then up until I mean I remember in college somebody I met you know one of my first days in the dorms they were asking about me and my background and they asked well since you're Chinese, could you tell me, you know, why do you all look the same though?
0: Oh my God, it was
1: just <laughs> it's just like how i it's those types of questions are still so hard to react to. They're easy to right. react to because they're so angering. They're harder to uh, respond to in a good way or a productive yeah. way because. Yeah they promote that feeling. So, you know, likewise as a child when it was those, you know, little seemingly playful things, it's the same feeling. So, mm-hmm. um, I think that kind of snowballed outside of the question, but I think that that had uh that definitely had an effect on me seeking out people mm-hmm. who were like me.
0: Well, I think it's no, I think it's directly related to the question actually, and so I think it seems like it's you know, you went the path of sort of rejection a little bit of like, I don't want to even highlight or dive into that part of me because that part of me is something that I get othered for. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, and I think I had some of the same experiences as as a kid too, of like, I remember very distinctly, I must've been in preschool. So it happens very early Mm -hmm. that some kid came up to me and she was like the sweetest kid otherwise. And was always a very nice person, but I was never friends with her after this. Like, I went to school with her through high school, but I was never friends with her because she Mm -hmm. came up and said, uh, Chinese, Japanese, dirty knees, look at these. And then like pulled her eyes and 30 years later. 32 you years later, I still remember that. And I will still never be friends. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and the I'll knock her down. And-
0: <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, is that it's like kids at that age, it comes from somewhere. Mm-hmm. And then if it's not dealt with, then they become the people in college who ask you why we all look the same. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So I think it's like that was definitely a tangent that I went on. But I think my experience in that was, you know, that that sort of otherness, or people highlighting that, I think I just kind of leaned harder into it, Mm, where I was mm -hmm. like, fine, that's what makes me different, I don't want to be like you anyways, (laughs) and so, Mm -hmm. so I think it was more like, you know, getting a Chinese style prom dress, like, wearing traditional Chinese clothing, being interested Mm -hmm. in Chinese, traditional Chinese art and literature, so, so yeah, I think it's, it's, it's definitely a reaction to something that happens as, like, young kids, Mm -hmm. and whether you decide to lean into that part of your identity or to sort of, you know, try to forget about it for a little bit <laughs> mm-hmm. or in yeah, certain instances. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely
1: feel like I pushed it away because, you know, I, I didn't want to have that feeling and I just wanted to fit in. So yeah, that's interesting that, you know, and both talking about our experiences, you know, we face the same things, but our reactions are very different and yeah. and how that plays into to childhood and kind of,
0: it might All be because the... we're we're just very different people, right? Very different personalities. Mm-hmm. Whereas I'm I'm a lot more like a, like a fuck off, like fuck you. <laughs> Again, this is me world. You don't like it? Fuck off. <laughs> yeah,
1: I, so, I need a little more
0: of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe I need to chill a little bit too. <laughs> not be so not be so very Asian. I guess. Nah, <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna triple down on it. But I guess, you know, with that experience as a kid and not having really that exposure to Asian culture or the Asian American experience outside of our family, but then getting more exposure to that and having more of an interest as an adult, like what what sort of was your journey, I guess, in in being interested in that part of yourself?
1: I think just becoming more comfortable with myself, not just, you know, because I'm Asian American, that part of me, but just in general as a human, as a woman as somebody, you know, who is lo- learning and maturing, um, I think it just really just came with kind of time and wisdom and settling into a place where I could be very loving towards myself and all of those things that make, make up who I am. Um, so yeah, I think it just, you know, took time and I, with time, I think a little bit of just kind of an attitude of this is me like, these things aren't going to change. Mm-hmm. So, you know, now it's like, you know, you own it, you celebrate it. Otherwise, it's really going to just wear down on you. So I, I feel grateful that I uh, I am not the same, not feeling the same th- things that I did when I was, you know, in elementary school and mm-hmm. kind of just absorbing everything for the first time when I was really young. So,
0: yeah, your experience in Arizona now, given sort of some of the slight changes, I guess, that maybe have happened in that state since I've moved away. (laughs) You know, have you seen any sort of improvement or changes in either the, like, landscape of the diversity there or at least the diversity of thought? Mm,
1: That's a good question. Well, I am definitely parts of the city. Like, when you go downtown, it's very diverse Mm -hmm. when you're around ASU and the university, it's very diverse because of the just college population. Um, it's hard to say because I don't go out too much, <laughs> <laughs> but I, the um, idealistic part of me wants to say that people have changed. I mean, I do remember, you know, kind of coming out of college, still kind of struggling with the way that people thought or things that I would be asked and Um, but I'm just not in many of those situations anymore. So I can't really put a good comparison, you know, now Mm -hmm. versus five years ago. So, Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, definitely more diverse. Um, I, I wouldn't say I see more or less Asian people. I think there, um, are in certain pockets of town. Uh, but you know, I, I hope, I hope it's getting better, um, Definitely the physical landscape of the city and the valley has changed. Um, I, I can't be the best judge of if, uh, the culture has changed along with it though.
0: Mm-hmm. When we grew up there, the Asian community, you know, specifically the Chinese American community, it was very much a lot of the same families who immigrated mm-hmm. around the same time and had been in Arizona and the U S for, for generations. And And now it's like our generation and thinking about the American born Chinese and like people our generation back in Arizona and having kids and Mm -hmm. just uh, navigating the same things that maybe our parents did in some cases. And just it's it's just always interesting to me thinking about like Asians in the Southwest. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And I think it's it's a very different experience being out in California, especially Northern California, where you don't have to seek it out like, Asian mm-hmm. culture, it's just very prevalent.
1: Yeah. Um, was that a draw for you in, in deciding to move there?
0: I think it definitely was. I don't think it was um, one of the, like, conscious factors or, like, one of the fa- main factors. It was just sort of, like, a fringe benefit of, of moving mm-hmm. out here. But then I think after having moved out here, uh, it has been such a nice, like, surprise that it's, mm-hmm. it's something that I think I didn't... Uh, again, it's kind of, like, not having friends are uh, not having Asian friends and then having an Asian friend. And then it's like, Oh, this is like a different layer. Right. Mm. <laughs> and, and so I think that's really nice. I didn't really appreciate the diversity of the Asian American diaspora, you know, of, mm-hmm. because I think we live so much in, you know, the Asian Americans in Phoenix specifically, or at least who we were exposed to was all Chinese Mm-hmm. And, and so that was kind of that was my sort of understanding and concept of like, this is what Asian Americans are it's Chinese, yeah. culture you know, and so being around a lot of other Asian Americans who are not Chinese Americans, has been really nice and really interesting. Uh, and like understanding like different cuisines and different mm-hmm. cultures and different traditions. Uh, and so having, I think just like a lot more Asians, you get mm-hmm. to see a lot more of the nuance Whereas Mm. in in Arizona, in some cases, it's like you only have sort of, you do have sort of this monolithic culture within, Mm. you know, Asian American culture. And I think also that because there is such a large Asian population out here, there is a big draw for businesses that are geared towards Asians and Asian Americans. Mm. And so there's a lot of, you know, food related businesses, bakeries, restaurants, bars that are, are specifically themed towards Asian culture or Asian American culture mm-hmm. and owned and operated by Asian Americans too. <laughs> not say, like
1: specifically a, only serve Asians.
0: <laughs> yes. They only serve Asians. No, it's actually the reverse. It's like an Andrew Zimmern situation where he <laughs> opened up a Chinese restaurant in like Minnesota. And, stuff, and it's like, no, it's not that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's like, I recall you moved like, out you know, of Minnesota. <laughs> that's exactly why. But I mean, it was when I was in Minnesota, like I've, I've alluded to before, I've like definitely sought out other Asians and Asian mm-hmm. Americans because It was, like, such a desert when it came to food, like, Asian food. And so trying to figure Mm -hmm. out, like, where are the spots to go to and then tapping into that network. So, But out here in California, though, I feel, like, really lucky because, like, the other week, you know, I went out to... um, For the first time in, like, years, I went out with some friends. And uh, we went to this bar because they were running a Lunar New Year pop-up. And this bar is... Asian themed already but they were running like a specific pop-up and we went there and they had all of these cocktails that you know had specific ingredients and flavors that were based off of like Asian candies and you know just Asian flavors and then you go into the bathroom and it's all decorated with like red uh, like red envelopes and stuff you go in the bathroom and just like a hole in the ground <laughs> it's just it's very authentic you know <laughs> that real chinese experience and uh, and I commented to my friends and I'm like this is like Asian America, like this is where I want to mm. live, not just America, I want to live in Asian America, and, and so I think it's like, like having enough of those types of places, it becomes something where it's like, not just Asians and Asian Americans are going to go to, you know, it's like, it was a very diverse crowd at that bar, mm-hmm. actually, it was, you know, at first it started out where it was mostly Asian, Asian American, but then it got a lot more diverse. And it was just nice that it was like people who were seeking out a cool place, not because they were Asian, but just because the place is cool, you know, Mm -hmm. and, uh, and that they thought that something that was Asian was cool. (laughs) And, Mm -hmm. uh, so it's nice. And it's nice thinking that like, hopefully my kids are going to grow up with even more options where it's not even going to be a novelty anymore. It's just going to be, this is what, this is what a restaurant looks like. This is what a bar looks like, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's not going to be so heavily like, oh, this is Asian inspired.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool that there's so much of that where you live. I I really love that about visiting you. And I I know we'll go out and just like, just the presence of an Asian population in general, but it sounds... It's uh, so different to be around, you know, businesses and things like yeah. that on a regular basis than you, what you I manage. You always well.
0: manage to uh, to keep your cool when you're visiting and you're not like, hey, M, Asians. <laughs> hey, look, Asians. <laughs> <laughs> because I would be saying that nonstop. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You would just be pointing constantly and just saying it.
1: <laughs> That's what I'm feeling inside. Just like frantic. Like, oh my gosh. Oh my no. God.
0: There's so many Asians and we're not even in a Chinese restaurant or a family <laughs> reunion. What is that? walking on a sidewalk (laughs) (laughs) it is pretty wild so Achille you've been around like my friends before Uh I I find myself to have to have made friends with a lot of Asians um whether consciously or not, Asians mm. and Asian-Americans are just awesome people. And so that—that that is why. And also there's a lot of them out in the Bay Area. So, you know, it goes hand in hand. But like, what were your impressions or like, what what was that feeling like of being in a group of like Asian people who are all sort of our contemporaries, you know, and like friend group, um, Not not being in that sort of friend group yourself?
1: Yeah, I think... You know, when I do visit you and I'm around your friends, it kind of, I mean, it makes sense to me given the environment and that there are so many Asian people. But it is nice just to be around kind of that feeling of like a similar shared experience um, and having that be a part of conversation, not something that you have to explain or give, you know, context of just because it's understood. And it's really cool to see. Especially women, Asian American women, because you have a lot of girlfriends, mm-hmm. um, kind of that example of, you know, what they're doing with their lives, how they think, what they're doing for work, what they're, just how they're building families. So, I mean, I don't really have many examples of that. It's not completely different than, you know, other friendships, but I think just that layer of understanding is, is just a comforting feeling.
0: Yeah. We were really lucky growing up that we have so many cousins that are mm-hmm. all very close in age. You know, because I think that we were sort of that friend group for each other Mm -hmm. when we didn't have exposure to other Asian kids our age. Mm -hmm.
1: But we were we're the only two girls on one side and there's a few other girls on the other side, but we're not very close to them. So I think, yeah, Yeah. examples of Asian American women who are the same age, that's not Mm -hmm. something we have too much of in the family.
0: You know when Ali Wong started getting really popular and really big, mm-hmm. and it was like, oh, so refreshing to have like a you know, aside from Margaret Cho, <laughs> that people <laughs> tend to forget, I guess, like oh yeah, a very outspoken, pretty crass Asian American female comedian,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: and a lot of people after that were like, oh my god, you remind me so much of Ali Wong, and it's like, is it because you've never met another Asian woman who is loud and outspoken? Because a lot of my friends. Are Asian American women who yeah. are just like that and so it's That's... kind of interesting that people have this perception of like what an Asian American woman is going to be like mm-hmm. and it could be very different than how we actually are because <laughs> yeah. like we're people you know we're we're different people I think uh just this people have this misperception that um we're going to be quiet <laughs> we're going to be docile yeah. we're going to be just the support systems in the family And I will say that almost all of my Asian American girlfriends are some of the most boss girl people ever. (laughs) So yeah. (laughs) Yeah. If you want something done and done right, get an Asian American woman to do it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So true. We have
0: the perfect mix of uh, obligation, sense of duty... Neuroses to completing something to perfection. <laughs> <Productivity>. <laughs> yeah. And then not bothering you with it. <laughs> so <laughs> Then it's just done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're just, we're great. So, yeah. <laughs> Did you watch
1: uh, the Don Wong Netflix? No, special? I haven't watched that one yet. Mm. No. Have you? It's, yeah. It's, it's classic, alley Wong. It's yeah. Good.
0: Yeah. So, it's, a, I, I will say it's like, it's been so nice though. It's like, you got to have at least one, you know, you got to have the mm. Allie Wong. To be like, oh, yeah, like, she's saying some crazy shit, but people think that, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. Asian Americans
1: think that. I remember just on the topic of Ali Wong, when, like, uh, Crazy Rich Asians came out, and Asian people were like, oh, I feel so, like, represented on screen, because (laughs) there's, like, Uh, 90 Asian people in this movie, and that movie is just, like fucking hollywood version of this book oh, yeah. like whatever Just, yeah. but when i remember when i watched always be my maybe on netflix which was i think written and directed by ali wong mm-hmm. and then she was in it too and it had some a, a sizable asian cast but it wasn't all asians but the story didn't center around this character And her Asian traits. She was just like, she was a normal contemporary woman that happened to be Asian. Mm -hmm. And I remember seeing that movie and thinking more like, this is what I want to see. Like, this is where I feel represented. It's just, you know, a typical romantic comedy. And there happens to be Asian people in it. Like, I don't need this overt showing of (laughs) Asian-ness to feel like I'm finally there, you
0: know? Yeah. And I think that speaks to the need for more content like that in general and more representation, mm-hmm. because it's the same thing where when you find yourself to be the only Asian in a group, that is how you are defined. Mm-hmm. And you either own your Asianness ness and really hype that or you assimilate. But when you are in a group or when there is a lot of Asian content and, you know, representation out there, then it doesn't have to be all-encompassing of the Asian experience. It can Mm -hmm. be a very nuanced thing of like, yes, this is about this woman's experience, and she's at this age, and she lives in this part of the world, and she happens to be Asian American. So I think that it's like little steps here and there. They don't all need to be these joy-luck club types of like, epic sweeping narratives around mm. the immigrant experience <laughs> like we need we need the broad city but asian you know we need that kind of thing too and yeah, so yeah. normalizing everyday asians yeah everyday <laughs> asians that's a good podcast thing too
1: <laughs> do you spend your time thinking about life's big questions like why are we here on earth what should i do with my life How old is Stellan Skarsgard? When was the last time I washed my hair? It takes enough mental bandwidth to stew on these big things, and sometimes we don't have the time or energy to simplify them into search terms to Google. That's why Ask Jeeves is back. Your questions can now be answered when you just ask them as they are. Find comforting information to ease your concerns and curiosity, with results consisting mostly of sketchy comments and reviews from people you will never meet with unknown credibility on internet forums and review sites. Hey Jeeves, why has my jaw been hurting for two months straight? Oh, okay, here are the results. A rare life-threatening and toxic medical condition called- Oh my god. So the next time you find yourself pondering, just ask Jeeves. It's easy. Just visit askjeeves.com and you'll get a free donkey sauce scented purse size squeeze bottle of head on when you ask your first question. Oh,
0: man, that's a complicated co-branding. That we've got going
1: on. <laughs> well, I recorded the commercial and I was like, wait. This sounds very familiar, and I realized it has some of the same themes as Head On, which is your very first commercial. <laughs> Yes. And so I changed the incentive at the end to <laughs> include head on,
0: <laughs> full circle, <laughs> amazing. So the production if, value of your commercials is definitely, <laughs> I feel like, step change with the addition of sound effects and music. Oh yeah, very good. Yeah. Yes.
1: Now that I, I'm not working, I have more time to figure out <laughs> on layering sound. Yes. This has been the the first uh, improvement of, of since I yeah. quit my job.
0: Uh, I feel like the culmination of this podcast is going to be when we uh, produce and release like a Bo Burnham Inside style Netflix special. <laughs> yeah. Oh It'll only God. take us a year to get that good. Don't worry. <laughs> that was excellent. I like I like the uh, the like marimba xylophony type music <laughs> that's like upbeat but yet slightly ominous yeah. Yes, very contemplative marimba <laughs> that's what you searched for on freesound.org was exactly contemplative yeah. marimba.
1: shout out to freesound.org
0: yeah that site's awesome uh we probably need to start crediting some of the sounds that we download from there
1: like our awesome
0: <laughs> intro music <laughs> you know a little bit of a little bit of this right. oh such a good beat <laughs> yeah such a good beat so now, I guess, moving on in our conversation, thinking maybe the limited times that we did seek out our Asian culture uh, mm. more as a kid, what were some of the memorable experiences or times that we had doing that? Mm-hmm. I have a couple of mine that I can get into, but from your perspective, Kalia, what's what are some of the things that stick yeah. out in your mind?
1: Well, there's one that stands out, and, um, you know, I didn't, like, I've said before I I didn't really make a point to seek that out when I was young and I didn't really have any um like external encouragement or pressure from my parents to seek that out um but except for one instance (laughs) (laughs) I want to say it was probably late elementary school or early middle school for me um, my mother encouraged Emily and I to visit a vacation Bible school at the Chinese Christian Church. It was a church that a lot of her childhood friends um, went to and their kids went to. So I think she thought it would be a nice um, opportunity for us to you know meet more Chinese kids. So mm-hmm. Emily and I went to this VBS. I don't know if it was like the first day or whatever, but um, we are three years apart or two and a half years apart? I think
0: we're like two and a half years apart and I was okay. I think like a freshman in high school so you must okay. have been in like junior high yeah
1: yeah like seventh sixth or seventh grade so I remember it was funny because we got there and technically because of my age I was on the cusp of being in like the kids group or the teen group so I went to the full-on teen group with Emily because I want to hang out with the big kids obviously and it was I don't know if I had any expectations, but it definitely did not turn out (laughs) in any way I had imagined. Um, (laughs) This church seemed to be one of those contemporary Christian churches that have an emphasis on music. And Mm. I wouldn't be surprised if it was one of those that had like a band on stage during Mm -hmm. services. Mm -hmm. But um, I remember just a lot of like. Someone was playing a guitar. I want to say that guy's name was Casper or
0: something. Close. I won't say it because it might (laughs) be identifying. But it was close. It was in that same feel of name. Okay. Um,
1: Yeah, but there was a kind of group leader who was uh, leading. It was probably like a dozen or so teenagers um, just singing very religious poppy songs. And we didn't know any of them so it was a lot of just like sitting there pretending to enjoy it
0: (laughs) to give give people context too so so first of all (laughs) one of the (laughs) things to note about the chinese community in phoenix is that you have sort of different groups within the chinese community right like you have yes these Mm. families that where they've all they all came to the u.s around the same time and so all these families grew up together but then within that you have um very a very uh devout population as well, who is very mm-hmm. church going and very much into church community. So it's not just a Chinese community, it's a Chinese church community.
1: Yeah. And Which so one side like of our parents was very involved in that when growing they growing up, right? Yeah, but not as adults and you know, didn't carry that on to when they had kids.
0: hmm Yeah. And so I think it was like that because it didn't carry on when they were adults and, and had kids, we were not exposed to that part mm-hmm. of the community. So like we were not part of the church community. And so we were never part of the Chinese church community mm-hmm. either. And so I, I feel like going into that, that vacation Bible school, like they all knew each other. You mm-hmm. and I definitely were the only people there who didn't know anybody. And, <laughs> um, and, and they all either went to school together or obviously just hung out, you know, every weekend at church, probably. And then mm-hmm. outside of that, too. Um, and, and this is how out of that circle or loop or community we were, is that not only did we not know any of the words to any of the songs, <laughs> Uh, we brought a copy of the Old Testament to this vacation Bible school, uh, and I had no concept that there were different versions, um, and that we were maybe bringing the wrong version of it. So It's like, I brought the book. I brought, I brought the book. This is book club. I read it. I totally read it, guys. <laughs> Don't quiz me, though. Yeah, it was a weird feeling because it was like, on one hand, felt very, for the first time ever, like, oh, these people look like me, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and like, they're our age and they're speaking English with no accents because they're also Asian American, you know, and Mm -hmm. so like, so that part of it, it was like, oh, okay, but then the other part of it was like, wow, I don't we, understand geez. these people at all. I don't understand that English for some I've reason. I've never felt like more of a foreigner in my life. Somehow, you know. <laughs> um, so I think that was that was very interesting, and I think that that was maybe also very formative. And mm. and uh, and <laughs> thinking about trying. yeah, and so. Again, I think the way that I took that experience and probably because I was slightly older, mm-hmm. you know, it was like, oh, well, I'm not writing off the concept of having friends who are Asian because I do like sharing that aspect of it. Mm-hmm. I, but however, there are other aspects of what makes friends good friends. And mm-hmm. this community is not something that I'm. I am interested in being a part of you know mm-hmm. and so it's like I want to be a part of an Asian community but the church Asian community is maybe not for me mm-hmm. uh and so I still kind of continued seeking out that Asian culture uh but just not within that lens mm-hmm. and whereas I think maybe for you it was a lot more <laughs> of like a nope I'm good <laughs> I'm good on yeah, Asians Asian what culture what the hell was that <laughs> <laughs> but i think that that does speak to also the importance of having like kind of critical mass right Mm -hmm. where when you have a large enough population you will have groups within that population Mm -hmm. that you'll be interested in it's like going Mm -hmm. to a big school or going to a small school you know and it's like okay well if i go to a small school then if i don't fit in with these people then that's that's about it
1: vacation bible (laughs) school trauma needless to say we did not go back and whenever I see signs for a vacation Bible school at churches, I just automatically, those feelings come up. <laughs> Moving past that experience and taking what you learned through, you know, experiencing a little bit of the Chinese American church community in Phoenix, um, what other, <laughs> I was going to say, what other avenues did you really use to, what other Asian avenues did you explore to expand your? Uh, Asian friend groups because I know mm. you did things that I did not so yeah
0: yeah so I think one of the other programs uh, that I did that was not church related but was Asian related was a program through Arizona State University called mm-hmm. Asian Lead and that's more of like a um, leadership academy oh lead it's a leadership academy (laughs) (laughs) I'm like what was that oh it's called lead. yeah but yeah I don't remember how I got into that program like why I got into that program like again this is something that we're gonna have to ask our parents I think because Mm -hmm. like it's kind of a blur I don't know how or if I would have sought out looking for those types of like forums or if it was, like, because my parents are alumni and my dad was involved with, like, Asian mm. Lawyers Association in Arizona. And so I, I don't know if it's through that. But, uh, yeah, that was one of the other programs that I did that was, it was, uh, yeah, it was about leadership. And, and so there was, you know, they had some public speaking stuff. And it was mostly just to meet people, though. Anything mm. that I did was really just to meet people. In like that program, I think I have more of an appreciation for it now uh, mm-hmm. than I did as like a high schooler or going into high school. But it was it was sort of that first experience that I was meeting other Asian American high school kids who I didn't go to school with or who I didn't meet at that church. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> uh, and and those people seemed much more like me, <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh, and so that was really nice. Um, and you know, funny enough, like. Indirectly, that ended up being how I met my husband, (laughs) like Mm -hmm. not through that program, but he took the program a couple years before I did. And then with somebody's sister, and then and then I got introduced to him through that. So it's that Asian connection.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Your very own Asian Avenue.
0: Yes, yes. And uh, Asian Avenue also. uh, (laughs) That has to be getting revitalized right like what even was that that was like a like a Asian seeking Asians that definitely was like essentially it wasn't just because it wasn't a dating site no it was just like I'm Asian and I want Hmm. to meet other Asians Hmm. uh yeah maybe it's just like that's a filter now in all of like the dating and relationship apps you don't have to have it specifically
1: part of an yeah. algorithm
0: yeah I know yeah. some apps
1: are more <laughs> tailored to Asian users yeah it's probably predetermined and programmed into us already
0: yeah <laughs> what uh, what what apps are more tailored to Asian um, users I've
1: heard that coffee meets bagel oh. is is predominantly Asian users huh. that's the one where you get like one match a day Mm -hmm. And then you can talk to them or not.
0: Do you think that it was designed specifically, like that there's something about Asians or Asian-Americans that that appeals to them specifically? Or do you think that it was like, that it was designed intentionally so, or that it was designed Mm -hmm. that way, and then it's like something about that appeals to Asians?
1: I wouldn't be surprised if it was a little bit of both. And I think the app has been around for a while. I wouldn't be surprised if it was initially marketed to... Asian users Asian. as well. I don't know anything about the background of how it was built or founded, but we'll mm.
0: yeah, just me. make something up. We'll just make yeah. something up and for the for the podcast and, the... <laughs> and then get yeah. sued. No. <laughs> Actually. No. <laughs> Actually the owner has an Asian fetish. No, I <laughs> <laughs>
1: He did it too. yeah <laughs> fulfill his fetish. Ugh. Gross.
0: Ugh, ugh, ugh. Anyway.
1: Uh. Speaking of uh, fetishes, (laughs) yeah. Speaking of fetishes, (laughs) speaking of relationships, we talked about friendships, but relationships with Asian versus non-Asian people—I guess romantic relationships specifically. So, Mm -hmm. I think that can be an interesting topic because there are definitely cultural differences that come across very strong and. In Asian cultures, and are kind of shared by other cultures, but it can be uh, a little bit difficult, or just um, you know something that's just you know different <laughs> when you're in a relationship yeah. with somebody who doesn't share that. So, and it can be um, something
0: that's very unconscious too, like mm-hmm. you don't realize that it's oh the the way that I approach these things, or the way that I deal with you know conflict or these types of problems, or the way that I think about these major life priorities is in some ways affected by cultural background it can be really hard to tease out though especially I feel like when you're Asian American is like how much of this is because I'm Asian how much of this is because I'm Asian American how much of this Mm. is because I'm a woman how much of this is because I'm me yeah and uh, yeah that's definitely
1: something I think about just in relation to myself and my relationship too it's like Determining where that comes from, and then I think the next step for me is determining how much of that I actually have to carry. Mm-hmm. Is are these things that I think are, um, you know, encouraging me to to think a certain way or react in a certain way or just kind of go through life, um, you know, with certain habits or ways of being? Is that something that I am adhering to myself because I think that's the way I should do it because I'm Asian American or because mm-hmm. I had certain examples? Or is that something I can completely let go of because it's 2022, you know, I'm my own person. There's definitely things that are informed by that part of my background. It's very important to me, but I do feel that sometimes those things can be a little bit hindering and those thought patterns can be hindering. Mm -hmm. And then specifically in relationships, I mean, I've never dated an Asian person, but I definitely have felt that, you know, the way that... Asian people do or specifically do not express their emotions and process emotions or talk about them you know I didn't really grow up talking about emotions or having the tools to identify that when I was younger that's very very different than people I've been in relationships with so and mm-hmm. um, that's something I've had to work on as an adult and kind of realize like oh this is where it comes from and that's not something that's you know, bad about me. It's just very different. And it has a lot to do with my background and what I was and wasn't exposed to. So,
0: yeah, I think it's interesting when we can, you know, when we compare ourselves, (laughs) because it's been pretty clear, like, hey, we've had some of these Mm. very similar experiences, but the way that we have uh, pivoted from those experiences has been very Mm -hmm. different. Right. And so maybe for our listeners, if you want to give sort of like, you know, our, I think our dating histories are very different, like the relationships mm-hmm. that we ended up in now. So like what's your dating history, Kaylia? <laughs> Walk us through your romantic history, Kalia. <laughs> we don't need the details. <laughs>
1: we just need like I didn't really start dating until late college. Um but what a loser. I, I think
0: just Huh? I said, what a loser. <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> Whatever. (laughs) (laughs) No, we'll get into we'll get into my side and then I'll be like, Oh yeah, who's a loser? (laughs) What a loser. What a loser. Uh
1: how would I explain my, my dating history? Yeah, I started or didn't really ever date until late college. Um have been in a a few relationships. My current relationship, I've been with uh, my partner for five years. We've really grown a lot together and learned so much from him. But in terms of, you know, I said I've never dated an Asian person. You know, as I mentioned before, just environmentally, I was never really around many. And it's not something that I felt like I deliberately needed to seek out because of any (laughs) personal interest or external pressures. I kind of just wanted to be involved and get to know people on a romantic level that I was just attracted to. And I would, none of them have happened to be Asian. So it wasn't like something I was actively trying to avoid, but Mm -hmm. probably had a lot to do with also my environment, just not uh, having a community.
0: You definitely have to be seeking out the Asians in Arizona, <laughs> yes,
1: <laughs> they're not just everywhere.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was really interesting when you talked about how you know what you were seeking in relationships was more of the dialogue around emotions and processing emotions, mm-hmm. and how and because you that is important to you in relationships, uh, it is stereotypically or not it is true to a certain extent as we've seen as we're trying to do these conversations with each other that like Asian Americans for the most part you know it's we don't grow up sort of equipped or having these types of conversations easily mm-hmm. or you know proactively mm-hmm. and and so I can definitely see how like you know if somebody seems like they are emotionally shut off whether that's because of their culture or for many other reasons. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I can definitely see how like that would be something that would be incompatible with what you were looking for. So
1: that could definitely, you know, provide friction in a relationship. And, and that's not something that I maybe just through different relationships. It wasn't something that I was like, I need uh, my next partner to be this certain way, but I've definitely been in partnerships before where the guy was not that way. And it was just kind of like, I would I say I would say more similar to like the the younger version of me when I didn't have that vocabulary or that uh, tools to think in an emotional way I would date people who were the same and it just wouldn't really go anywhere you know mm-hmm. you're not mm-hmm. challenged in that way and so um, I think it was kind of just like a, a natural progression of of realizing like oh relationships can be very different if you think about them in this way and then realizing that. Being able to communicate and think in that way is very helpful to relationship too.
0: Yeah. All relationships. (laughs) Yeah,
1: exactly. And then just back on like like you say, there's some parts of the culture that are just inherent and um, I think a big part of Asian culture and our family too is that we hold family as a very, very important aspect to us and to how we relate Mm -hmm. to other people and how we think of, you know the family around us in a very like internal unspoken way. Like family is everything. And you spend a lot of time with family and really appreciate family. And I think we're very lucky because we're all pretty close and we get along, but I've been in relationships where the partner doesn't have contact with their parents or their siblings, Mm -hmm. or they're very distant or just seems not to care or respect their parents, which, um, which is also just a different thing to navigate Yeah, in those situations, I did find out why they were this way, but I think with that experience, it's like, okay, that didn't work out, so I need to find somebody who kind of shares those values. It doesn't need to be exactly the same because, you know, every family is is very, very different. There's going to be different traits and characteristics, but just an overall feeling of, like, having a relationship and, and knowing and respecting your family is very important to me, too.
0: Yeah, yeah makes sense it's like some of these things are so cultural and then some of these it's just like it's it's a result of life experiences and in, mm-hmm. in, you know in individual family experiences too so mm-hmm. yeah
1: yeah yeah and you never really
0: know what you're
1: <laughs> from somebody who has has been in multiple relationships you never really know <laughs> but, <laughs> but I think definitely with time it's like and with time and experience it's like it's taken me a while to realize what's important but but no. now, now I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Emmy, your turn. <laughs> <laughs> what is, uh, you you mentioned that you met your um, now husband through a yeah. connection, through Asian lead, but um, guess just what's kind of your dating history and um, is yeah. that with Asian or non-Asian people or if that even mattered at all?
0: Yeah, I think... Um... I think growing up, because being in a predominantly white environment with very few other Asians, uh, it was sort of this expectation or just like a funny thing, you know, that people would say or that kids would say of like, oh, well, you know, so-and-so, he's Chinese. You should, you guys should date. (laughs) And it was Mm -hmm. like, uh, okay, I mean, I've known that kid since like we've grown up together because our families know each other super well. And so it's like, well, we're already friends, so why not? And and then and uh, and so I think early on, I think I had this perception of myself of just like, Oh, well, all the white guys just wanna date my white friends and so I guess I'll just date the Asian guys because they're mm-hmm. the ones who are interested, you know. And uh and I think going back to, I think the reason why we started talking about relationships, romantic relationships specifically, is because we started talking about fetishization, right? And I think a part of why I I dated or was interested mostly in Asian and Asian American, I should be specific, Asian American men, mm-hmm. is because a lot of my experiences with like white men was very much like, oh, so exotic or, you Mm. know, and so it was just very objectifying. Yeah. And, and so I think that when I did date somebody who was not Asian, it was always a question in the back of my mind of like, oh, well, how many other Asians has this person dated? Mm. You know, and is that the reason why they're attracted to me? Or is it, are they attracted to me because of who I am? And, and I guess I never really took that thinking when I was thinking about, well, is this Asian guy also only attracted to me because I'm Asian? Mm. It just never really cropped up in my head. And it also never really cropped up in my head of, well, am I only attracted to Asian guys? And is that a fetish? (laughs) So, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. A lot to unpack there. Another episode.
1: (laughs) Yeah, we need another hour on that. Yeah.
0: Uh, and, And so I think, like, that that worked out for me in some sense of like, I don't have an extensive dating history. <laughs> I'll say mm-hmm. that up front because I was lucky and I met my husband very young. Like I was 18 when I met mm-hmm. my husband, I was going into college. And I think, so that's been a really different experience figuring out what what we each think is important in relationships,
1: mm-hmm.
0: having been in a relationship with the same person for going on mm-hmm. 18 years, you know? And so evolving within a relationship as opposed to figuring those things out separately mm-hmm. by having other relationships and then meeting each other w- at a place where it's like this is what's important to me, because we've been in such a long-term relationship, it's this—it's con- constantly checking in of like, okay, what's important now? What's what's working now and what's not working? Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, and both coming from, uh, both being Asian Americans and having similar sort of familial backgrounds too, but culturally very different, I think, as far as family dynamics go. Um, that's also been interesting because I think that, you know, we have a lot of things in common and we're very compatible in ways that are outside of just being, of just Asian cultural compatibility. Mm. Um, but that definitely helps, you know? And, uh, mm. and so I think having that common understanding of like, Somebody who had the same kind of experiences as I did growing up, you know, good experiences and then also bad experiences with like discrimination and racism and somebody who understands that. Um, And then also somebody who, although maybe not, uh, you know, raised or equipped with the language or the ability or the bias to have these sort of like emotional discussions uh, to at least to at least have the interest in developing that you know, and so and being mm-hmm. able to grow that way together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and to and also to have somebody who it's the, the same cultural lens of like, oh, well, the reason why we process this information is because we both had this kind of experience growing up, mm-hmm. you know, and then thinking about like, okay, well, what does all of this mean? Because we're raising kids together. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and so so that's like a whole other layer on top of it. Um, but then we had very similar backgrounds in in the sense that The reason why we were both in this Asian lead academy at separate times is because we were both seeking out that part of our culture and our identity, Mm -hmm. whether that was, you know, for friend purposes, romantic purposes, just self-actualization and understanding purposes. And so I think that interest has always been there of like Mm -hmm. understanding that part of us or like that part of our personalities. And so that has also been something very nice to have somebody to be able to talk to about those Mm -hmm. types of things. But it's funny because the reason why I met him was because the one of the girls who I was in the program with was going to, as she said, an Asian party. <laughs> and I'm like, what is, what is that? And she's like, oh, it, it's a party, but everybody's Asian. I'm like, what <laughs> is that? And I'm like, what? And so she was like, yeah, I'm going to one at a friend's place. Do you want to go? I was like, yes. <laughs> so I went <laughs> And it was at my future husband's house, <laughs> and that's how <laughs> oh we God. met. Uh, yeah, and and it's also funny because then as as we got to know each other, it was like, oh, okay, so your family goes to the same church that my mm-hmm. that our grandparents go to, but because we didn't grow up going to church. I never saw him there
1: <laughs> because of that vacation Bible because school of the experience. vacation Bible school <laughs> I didn't meet
0: my husband until much later in life no much later being like 18 so no um <laughs> no but it's funny because that church is not an Asian church mm. it's the only two Asian families in that church are our family mm. and my husband's family <laughs> and and so I think it, it kind of speaks to we both come from very similar backgrounds and experiences of growing up as sort of like identifying as Asian, wanting to identify as Asian, but in predominantly white spaces. Mm -hmm. And so I think like our experiences navigating that has like has been helpful as we're trying to help our kids navigate that or thinking Mm -hmm. about how they're going to have to navigate that.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. I can see. Because that experience isn't something that I mean, you can explain it and you can try to to get it across on, on an an emotional Mm -hmm. level to somebody who hasn't been through that. But like, unless, unless that's a part of you, you're not going to be able to, to be actionable or, or, you know, live your life in that way, unless you really lived
0: that way. Right. It's like, even the most empathetic person is not going to fully understand somebody else's lived experience. Mm -hmm. You know, we've had very different paths, you and I, and Mm -hmm. I think that we are both in places where We find that that emotional dialogue and connection with somebody is very important and we've just, we've gotten it in different ways. Mm -hmm. We've arrived to that place of like understanding that this is an important thing in in a relationship for ourselves and that we're either going to get that through like continually developing in the relationship that we're in Mm -hmm. or seeking out somebody who is more aligned with that, you know? So I think a lot of that work has allowed us to have these types of conversations with each other you know, and, and vice versa. I think like us having these conversations with each other has helped us be able to have these conversations with our partners too.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think just having that practice with each other just gives you the confidence and the tools and, and the know-how to, to apply it in different parts of your life, whether it's your partnership, other people in your family, workplace, it's, it's all really a practice. And, I feel like we are just scratching the surface and there's a long way to go but you know it's it's being aware of it and interested in the first place and I'm lucky we can share that.
0: Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. All right. I don't know how we got here. Where <laughs> are we but where are we now? Thanks for listening to Double Cuzzie's where we're cousins and friends, but most importantly, we're family. Bye. Bye. <laughs>